You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Thank you, Josh. How's everybody doing? You guys wearing your new Christmas outfits and stuff? No, okay. <laughs> hey, I, I, uh, I just want you to know, um, I, I'm so, I hate to say that. Every time I'm here, I say, oh, it's so good to be here. And it just sounds like pastor hype, you know, and it really isn't. It is so good to be here. And uh, what a privilege, the first service of the year, you know. So, you know, Pastor Ryan can look back at this and say, you missed it. You know, the first service of the year, and I have the privilege to, to share some things today. So I'm really excited about it, and, and uh, I am praying. In fact, I'm going to pray right now, but I'm praying that God would just really use this as just a kickoff. You know, sometimes all of us, in, in every situation, we need something to kind of initiate things, to get things going, to get, get the blood flowing and so on. And I, I'm praying that this might be that kind of message that might really get us fired up for a, for a year that uh, hopefully will be different than 2021, 2020, 2019, however long this, this whole uh, COVID thing went. So would you pray with me right now? Let's ask God to do something amazing. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. We thank you in advance, and we ask that this might be a platform, this might be a springboard into just a freshness of our faith. I thank you in advance. I thank you for North Valley. I thank you for all the pastors here. And Lord, right now, I thank you for the privilege to come and hopefully rightly divide your word to teach us all. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I, I, I titled this message Genuine. And it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys kind of followed all of the um, uh, advertisements and stuff that came out for Christmas and all the different things that they want you to buy and so on. But it's interesting. You put the word genuine or you put the word authentic or you put the word real in front of anything and it tends to sell more. You know, a genuine leather, you know, genuine Ford auto parts, you know, whatever it is, the Coca-Cola, the real thing, whatever, whatever kind of thing you want to put in front of, of a product, if you put authentic, you know, sometimes people, you know, perk up a little bit. Well, I want to talk to you today about what James in the scriptures has to say about a genuine faith, a real faith, an authentic faith. Because frankly, there are a lot of phony religions out there. There are people who think that they're really followers of Jesus, but they're not. And I'm going to look at a passage that talks about the difference between real and authentic believers and those that are phony. Those are counterfeit. And it seems to me that that'd be a good topic to start a new year on. So in James chapter 2, verse 14, real quickly, it says, What good is it, my brother? If a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? I want you guys to know, if you've grown up in church world, you know that this is probably one of the most controversial verses in all the Bible, especially of James. Every cult tends to misunderstand this passage, or they try to use this passage to, to somehow prove that you've got to work your way to heaven. And so they use it that way. And it's important what I'm going to talk about today so that when somebody comes knocking on your door, you'll know what to say to them. 
The entire New Testament teaches us that we are saved by grace alone through faith. In fact, Paul said it this way. He says, by grace through faith we are saved. James comes along and, and, and he says something is just whacked. He says, it's not just faith, but it's faith and works. And what in the world is he talking about? Here's James, and, and here's Paul, and here's what I want you to know. They're both, you ready for this? Right. They're both right. But they're talking about two different things and to two different groups of people. Paul is fighting the problem of legalism. And, and what he's saying is... is those people who are saying, I've got to keep all the Jewish laws and, and I've got to keep all those regulations in order for me to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. And Paul's talking to that group. But James is not fighting legalism. You ready for this? He's fighting laxity. He's fighting this people who would say, you know, it doesn't matter what you do just so long as you believe. They're fighting two different enemies. And they're both using the word deeds, or they're using the word works in their argument. When Paul uses the word works, he's talking about those Jewish laws, you know, like circumcision and dietary laws and all those kind of things. That's what he's talking about. But when James uses the word, he's talking about the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus. Acts of love is totally different. Paul focuses, are you ready, for the, on the root of what salvation is, what happens to me internally. James focuses on the fruit of salvation, what happens on the outside. And, and, and even Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. Paul is talking, I'm just doing this contrast thing in introduction here. Paul is talking about how you know you're a Christian. And James is saying, I want you to show that you're a Christian. And Paul is saying, this is how you become a Christian. And James is saying, this is how you behave as a Christian. So instead of getting weirded out about the book of James... Not embrace it, because it really is a book for you and me, especially if we are followers of Jesus. It's like he penned it for you and I. And I love that. Now our faith, our relationship to Jesus is really wrapped up in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. It's kind of a memory verse for, for a lot of us. Paul is writing, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you kind of dissect the original language here, there are actually three prepositions that are wrapped up into that, that little phrase. Three prepositions. By grace is one of them. Through faith is another one. For good works is the third one. Now here's the deal. If you get those phrases out of order, you're in trouble. Paul places them in order. First understand, for by grace, 
through faith, we're saved to do good works. It's kind of cool. It's beautiful. So that's how I can know I'm a believer if I do that. But what I want to dissect is how do I show I'm a follower of Jesus? And I think this really fits for a new year. And I'm glad, you know, you guys are here for the 9 o'clock because I get to practice on you guys. You ready? How do I show I'm a follower of Jesus? Well, from this passage, number one, it's not just something you say. Now I'm going to get all fired up again. It's not genuine faith, real faith, authentic faith is not just something you say or something you talk about. And here's that passage again, James 2.14. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Now I want you to notice some things in that passage. It does not say he actually has faith. He just claims to have faith. He talks about it. He knows maybe the right phrases. And there are a lot of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. George Gallup and Gallup polls, he's always, you know, I'm always going there to find some surveys and stuff. He says that about 50 million people, Americans, say they're born again. But you don't necessarily see anything in their lifestyle. Today we tend to label people as Christ followers if they make the slightest sound, like maybe they are. And it's more than just talk for an authentic faith. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who has a Christian bumper sticker is a follower of Jesus. Not everybody who professes Christianity possesses Christianity. And that's what James is talking about here. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, did you know that James is probably the earliest New Testament book that was written? At least that we have? The earliest one. I get the idea that this was something that kind of plaguing the early church from the very beginning. People were mixing the whole thing up. So James says, can such a faith like that save him? In other words, what kind of value is that kind of faith? And James' implication is nothing. Talk's cheap. James is basically saying a genuine, real, authentic faith is not just something you say. Don't get me wrong, I am not talking about judging folks. You know, like, okay, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. I mean, no. Just understand there are a lot of folks that claim to be followers. But there's absolutely no evidence in their life. That's what James is talking about. So it's not just something you say. But let me give you something else he says. It's not just something you feel. It's not just something you feel. You know, it's, it's more than just emotions. You know, a lot of folks confuse emotions and, and sentiment with, with faith. You know, and as a teacher, as a preacher, pastor and stuff, you know, I see it all the time. Someone is, you know, boy, that was a great illustration and they're moved to tears and, 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 and boy, that must be evidence that this is real. And I just got to caution you a little bit. You can be emotionally moved, but never 
act on it. You with me? You know, maybe you heard the old you know, story, you know, four frogs sitting on a log. One, lo- one frog decides to jump. How many are left? Thank you. Because deciding to jump and jumping are two different things. Isn't that interesting? So many times we just feel like, oh, you know, that must be an emotional, kind of sentimental thing. And once you got that man, you're in. Can I suggest years ago, and I'm going to kind of age myself here, Charles Schultz. You know, for those who are younger, you don't probably didn't know who that guy was, but he, he did the, the Peanuts cartoons, right? Snoopy and Linus and all those guys. One really stuck with me. And I put it in my notes here. And it, Charlie Brown and Linus, okay? They're inside on a winter day, all bundled up. And Snoopy, the dog, is outside in the cold, shivering in front of his doghouse with an empty bowl. Okay, you with me? Charlie and Linus are having this discussion on how sad it is that Snoopy is hungry and cold. This is what it says. He, he's cold and hungry. we got to do something about it. And they walk outside and they say to Snoopy, Be of good cheer, Snoopy. And then they go back inside. Don't we all do that? You hear, you see where, where Charles Schultz got that idea? He got it out of verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Genuine faith is more than sympathy, feeling, emotion, and and all those things. It's something you do about it. You act on it. It takes the initiative. It gets practical. It gets involved with people. Now again, he's talking about Christians here. And a little factoid here. Do you know this is the only place in the entire New Testament, only place where the scriptures say Christian women are called sisters? A little factoid. Can't find any place else, but it's right there. It's a great verse. When you become a part of God's family, you then have some family responsibilities. And a genuine believer will care about other believers. First John chapter 3, verse 17, John is basically saying the same things that James says. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Here's John saying the same thing James is saying. Genuine faith is generous. It wants to give. Can I ask you guys, don't answer out loud, this is rhetorical, who can count on you in a crisis? Is there somebody who who could count on you and call you in the middle of the night because of a crisis? Is there someone? If there's not, that may be a little red flag saying, wait, 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 maybe I need to make sure that I'm really plugged in to fellowship in a, in a legitimate way. Sometimes we're a lot better about verbalizing our faith than practicing it. Here's the deal, though. I can't meet everybody's need. And sometimes the fact that I can't meet everybody's need paralyzes me from meeting anybody's need. I can't meet everybody's, but I can meet somebody's. 
I can meet one person's. I think what he's getting at. And if, by the way, I don't feel like helping other Christians especially, according to James, I don't have a sick faith. According to James, I've got a dead faith. Scary stuff. Let me give you a third thing. An authentic, real, genuine faith is not just something you think. It's not just something you think. You know, for some people, faith is just this inner, uh, intellectual kind of thing. I, I love, for seven, seven and a half years, I worked on a college campus, sharing Christ, and, and, and I loved it. You know, I loved the dialogue and the, and the conversations on campus and all these kind of things. I love that. To this day, I love that. I'm not threatened by people. I, I just love dialoguing and all that kind of stuff. But there are some people, that's exactly where they live. That faith is a matter to be studied and to be debated and talked about and discussed and on and on. Verse 18 of James 2 says, Someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. James goes on and says, Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. I think he's imagining some intellectual guy who says, you know, hey, you're into faith, I'm into works. You know, that's cool. Different strokes, different folks, and all that kind of stuff. Let's debate it. You've got your thing, I've got my thing. Each to his own way. Stimulate me mentally, but don't ask me for any commitment. But James says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. If you have a paper Bible, or even if you have an electronic Bible, a U version, underline that. Especially that word, those words, show me. Apparently, a genuine, authentic faith is visible. Write it down. It's visible. It's something more than just thinking. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, people should be able to see Something. It's visible. For some people, faith is odorless, it's weightless, it's invisible, so anybody can claim to have it. How do you know for sure? James says, show me. If you're a follower of Jesus, I have a right to ask you about your lifestyle. Someone once said that faith is like calories. I don't like this, but faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can sure see the results. You can't see faith, but you can see the results of it. Now, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but James would have been a good Missourian. I think that's what you call a person from Missouri, isn't it? Missourian? Because the slogan of the state of Missouri is the what state? The show me state, sure. James is saying, if you're a Christian, prove it. Let me see your actions backing up your words, is what he's saying. Yeah, here, let me put it this way. If you believe, or let's say, I, I believe that my health is important to me. Personal health is a high priority in my life. You might then say to me, well, do you eat right? No. Do you exercise? No. Do you get proper rest? No. Do you take vitamins? No. Do you ever go home for a checkup? No. So you see, it doesn't matter what I say. What counts is my actions. A genuine, real, 
Authentic faith is more than just something you think. You can point it out. You can see it in people's lives. You know, years ago, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't come to faith when I was a kid. I came to faith when I was in college. So I didn't have any of the background, never went to camp, I never went to vacation Bible school, I never did any of those things. But I came to know Christ, got involved in a church, wife and I got married, she began teaching Sunday school, and she would teach those kids this course. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands, right? If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Not bad theology, guys. In fact, an awful lot of children's Christian songs are theologically pretty sound. And some of the choruses nowadays that we sing aren't. But some of those older ones really were. That's what James is saying. Show me. If you have a genuine faith, it's something more than you say. It's something more than you feel. It's something more that you, than you think about. It's provable. When I first came to know Christ, one of the first verses that the guy who discipled me asked me to memorize was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Not overnight, but they start becoming new. James is not saying all of a sudden, boom, totally mature. Boom, I'm making all the right decisions. Boom, I have arrived. He's not saying any of that. But he's saying there's movement, there's progress. I used to say, you know, it wouldn't be bad to do what's called a Jeremiah graph. What's a Jeremiah graph? It's basically looking at your life and graphing it out. For you, not for anybody else, but it's kind of interesting if you look. You know, here, here I came to know Christ right here. And oh boy, I just grew like a monster. Well, that's the bad. I grew really well. Learned all about the, the, the Bible and stuff like that. And then I made a bonehead dis- decision. <laughs> Went down a little bit. And then I started growing again. <laughs> bonehead decision. And if you look at my life, it <laughs> kind of looked like this. But the overall progress was this direction. Right? That's what James is saying. If you're a follower of Jesus, of course you're going to have the ups and downs. But the Jeremiah graph will show that there's a movement in a direction. And it's an exciting thing. Now, I'm not a uh, construction dude. Can't work on a car very well. You know, unless, uh, unless it's held together with drywall screws and duct tape, I'm, I'm really lost, okay? But I do know that if I grab hold of a 220 line, I'm going to know it. I'm just saying, this passage is telling me that it's more than just what I think about. Billy Graham, several times, in fact, just for this message, I went ahead and pulled up. Uh, And by the way, have, have I ever told you this? Examine everything 
that, that Pastor Ryan says, examine everything that I'm saying. Don't you dare believe it because I'm saying it. You study it. You look at it. Well, Bob said such and such. Is that really what the scriptures say? It's going to make you a better follower of Jesus. But I was looking up at Billy Graham, and <laughs> I just want to make sure that this was a correct quote. It was attributed to Billy Graham where he once said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Now, I can remember that years ago when I was in college, hearing that. At the time, I didn't know who said it. It's a good question, and that's what James is talking about. If you say, I know it, then show it. Let me give you number four. It's also not just something you believe. Oh boy, don't pick up a rock and throw it at me. You know, It's not just something you believe, but look at verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. There are a lot of people who have strong beliefs in God. They have strong beliefs in the Bible. They have strong beliefs in Christ. They can recite creeds and, and catechisms and talk about doctrine of the Trinity and quote Bible verses. And James is basically saying, no big deal. Just saying I believe in God is not enough to get you to heaven. The devil believes that. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. It is foolish to be an atheist, and the devil is no fool. The devil believes in God. The devil is a great theologian. He knows a lot more about the Bible than you do. He's been around a whole lot longer. He knows theology forwards and backwards. He believes, his demons believe, and it says in the scriptures here, they shudder. Now that word for shudder or tremble in the original language, in the Greek language, means to bristle. The hair in the back of their neck stands on end. It's the kind of, of word that you would see in a Stephen King novel. They believe in God, but, but they tremble, they shudder. And incidentally, the word for believe that he uses here in Greek means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to commit yourself totally to. People don't tend to use the word believe like that today. I believe in Hitler, but I'm not a Nazi. I'm a Christian, because I believe. But it's more than just head knowledge. And a lot of folks miss heaven by 18 inches. They say, I believe in God. And James basically says, big deal, everybody believes in God. Genuine faith is not just saying, I believe. There's so much easy believism in America. Sure, I'm a believer. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Well, do you attend church? No. Do you donate your time? No. Do you donate your treasure? No. James would say, be careful. Be careful. Well, then what is it? Number five. It's something you do. Remember who he's talking to. His audience are people that are lax in their faith. 
That's what he's dealing with. And he's saying to them, it is something you do. James gives a couple of illustrations talking about faith being active and not passive, a commitment. And the two illustrations that he gives are two people mentioned in the scriptures, Abraham and Rahab. By the way, Abraham and Rahab are polar opposites. Almost every category. Abraham's a man, Rahab's a woman. Abraham is Jewish, Rahab is a Gentile. Abraham was a patriarch, Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was a somebody, Rahab was a nobody. Abraham was a major character in the Bible, Rahab was a minor character. And he uses this illustration to say, it doesn't matter who you are as long as you have the most important thing. And the one thing they had in common was their faith that was active and demonstrable in God. Their faith in God led them to action. This is what James says as we go on, verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac to the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not faith alone. Here's the deal. And I love this. Abraham's faith in God led him to action. How do we know? Because we saw it. He behaved in a way that his belief came out visibly. It says, Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You might know the story. After waiting 25 years for a son, God says, now I want you to take Isaac. I want you to sacrifice him to me. And he takes his son. He gets the wood. He's got the knife. He travels to a place where he's going to do it. He ties up his son. He raises the knife. He's going to sacrifice him. And just then, a ram is right there, caught in the, in the bushes. Coincidence, right? No. And here's this lamb caught in the bushes. Wow. He may be thinking, well, wait a minute. Was he already a believer? Yeah, Abraham was. It was 25 years earlier that God declared Abraham because of his faith was righteous. He was already a believer. He was now just demonstrating the fact that I'm going to obey you, God, whatever it is. I am fully convinced that he thought that, well, if he had to sacrifice his son, God was going to raise him from the dead. I have no doubt about that. I'm just testing your, see what your faith is about. And it was an action. His works proved his faith. He held nothing back from God. And then he talks about Rahab. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous? For what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without deeds is dead. And that story is found in Joshua chapter 2. It's a story about how a prostitute helped a couple of spies when they were coming to Jericho. And by the way, 
Rahab ends up in the family line of Jesus. Just read Matthew, it's there. She risks her life to save the spies. You see, folks, our faith is not determined by what we say. It is demonstrated by what we do. In 1859, famous, famous tightrope walker named George Blondin. Maybe you've heard the story. Google it. And for a publicity stunt, he decided he'd walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. If you read the story, you'll find out that he probably went across Niagara Falls, believe it or not, about 3,000 times. Most amazing thing. Uh, Seriously. Among all the exploits, he stretched a tightrope one side of Niagara Falls to the other. He got out there, and the crowds lined both the Canadian side, the American side. Thousands of people show up. Unbelievable. Blondin walked up to the edge of the tightrope, one foot on the tightrope, another, and he begins to walk across. He walks across partway and then walks backwards. Insane. He walks across halfway, and then he drops something down to the boat, the mist, in the made in the mist boat down below. The guy was absolutely amazing. He then gets a wheelbarrow full of dirt, and he pushes it across. He does it about ten times across Niagara Falls. It's crazy. And then there's a tourist at the end. Do you believe I can do it? I've just seen you do it ten times. He empties out the dirt. He says, if you really believe it, get in the wheelbarrow. That's an unbelievable story. And he did. He gave him instructions. He says, no matter what, don't try to correct. If I start to go, don't do anything. Hold on to the side. That's kind of an inside story. That's why you need to Google it. And he went all the way across. Unbelievable. In a very real sense, that's what God says to you. Talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. I believe in Jesus. Then prove it. Our faith is demonstrated by our actions. And actions always speak louder than words. Paul put it this way. Yeah, Paul. You know the one by grace through faith? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Check it out. Test it. Prove it. So here's the conclusion. You ready? A couple of questions. Am I really a Christ follower after all? In light of what James says, am I? What changes can I point to in my life? Is my lifestyle any different than others who don't claim to know Christ? Craig Rochelle is one of my heroes. It was out of him that we have you version, by the way. Preacher in Oklahoma. He wrote a book called The Christian Atheist. Great read, by the way. It's all about a person who lives in such a way that you can't determine whether or not the guy is a Christian or an atheist. 
because his actions don't show anything. He's not saying works deliver salvation. He's saying works demonstrate it. And he's saying if your faith doesn't work, what good is it? So if you're a follower of Jesus, resolve right now to demonstrate your faith in 2022. No more games. Demonstrate it. Lean into it. And I just got to believe that perhaps after just unpacking this whole passage, some of you, you might have some doubts whether you ever made that commitment to Jesus in the first place. You're a good person, gone to church, known about Christ, you've been to Bible studies, even tithe. But are you absolutely sure that if you were to die today, you'd open your eyes in heaven? This wasn't in my notes, but I just got to share it. I just did a, a funeral at Desert View on Wednesday. A very, very good friend, 53 years old, captain with MCSO, a police officer. He died of COVID. He was fit. No other issues in his life. No diabetes, not overweight, no high blood pressure. And he died. I got called up to intensive care, lay hands on him to pray for him. But he ended up dying a few days later. And to be honest with you, that's really when I settled on this message. Oh, folks, listen. I can preach and I'm gone for a few weeks, and then I come back here every once in a while. But I implore you, if you're not sure of your relationship to Jesus, right here, right now, in the quietness of this moment, pray with me. In your head, in your heart, pray something like this. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I'm just not sure, but I want to be sure. I want to make sure and I want my life to demonstrate the fact that you're real. So if I've never asked you to come into my life as Lord and Savior and King, I do that right now by faith. I don't understand it all. I've been exposed to Christianity my whole life. But I haven't demonstrated any of it. So God, I want to make sure right here, right now, January 2nd, 2022, this is the day. And I transfer my trust from myself and from anything else to you, my Lord, my King. For those who know Jesus but just haven't been walking the walk the way they should, you might pray with me this way. Oh, Lord, thank you for revealing to me what it means again to be a follower of Jesus. Oh, Lord, may I demonstrate it by what I do, not by what I say, not just by what I feel, not just by what I think, but by what I do. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you did make a decision for Christ today, then I want to encourage you. Put some shoe leather to it. Talk to Pastor Joshua. Talk to one of the leaders here and say, yeah, that was me. I prayed.
Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.